0: Hi everybody, Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. Hope you're doing well. Welcome to our intermittent dial-in show. Always a great pleasure to chat with you, my dear, delightful, and lovely listeners. Please don't forget to help out this show in these challenging times for philosophy. You can go to freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show. That's freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show, and... Going to just wait for a couple of people to call in, and I guess we will just start chatting uh, with people uh, right away. Why bother with an intro of, uh, of any kind? So let's start off by chatting with hey, yes, David. Hello, David, Siobhan. are you on the line with me?
1: Yes, I am. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, it's fun. I'm, I'm sure you get this often. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Um,
2: quickly, hey, I feel, I I feel like I need just... a Tom
0: Likas orgasm noise for you or something like that, but uh, <laughs> I, I won't be providing that tonight, but uh, feel free to use your imagination. What's up, uh, my friend?
3: Sure.
1: Yeah, so um, the topic I want to discuss, uh, Bronze Age pervert, author of Bronze Age Mindset, is, uh, do you know who that is and do you have any opinions?
0: I have heard murmurings on the internet, mm-hmm. but I have not myself looked into it. Do you want to give me the lowdown?
1: Um. Yeah. Sure. I guess the best I can uh, to compress it. Uh, to, uh to, if we're on philosophy, I guess I'd start. He's a Schopenhauerian first and Nietzschean second, uh, and kind of the evolution of their ideas. Um. And like his major concepts, I guess, um, are that you men, especially men, really men, uh, should live a vitalist life, a life with a vital energy. Um, in in as many ways as imaginable, physically, um, obviously lifting with like semi-nude bodybuilding posts. He's popular for Handsome Thursday, um, but like celebrating the male body, like the male body as an expression of beauty and truth and an ideal to aspire to, is like a big part of it. But then using that energy uh, throughout life, and then there's other political things. Very, uh, you could use the word fascist if you want, and I think he wouldn't be offended if you did. Um, but much, much more complex than that, but authoritarian military style, kind of Spartan, uh, political philosophy applied to the modern day, which makes sense. It's bronze age mindset. Um, and obviously very pro Trump. That's a big thing, but, uh, and th- the way you read him and the way you listen to him, because he has a podcast as well, um, the way he speaks and the way he talks is just literary reference after literary reference historical ref. Like he's incredibly well read and he was reviewed by i think mike anton in the claremont review something like that but it's it's very serious ideas he writes about uh, and the life vision that like for a lot of men I'm, I'm in my 20s um it's it's something that would be an ideal for us uh to want to reach and to want to live up to and it's kind of possible in some ways. Uh, so that's a quick lowdown on, on Bronze Age Mindset and Bronze Age Pervert. Does that
0: make like, sense or am I turning picture there? Well, I mean, it's, it's aesthetically pleasant, I suppose, you know, like body, mm-hmm. of, uh, a, a body of the gods and vital energy and so on. It doesn't seem to me to be mm-hmm. overly philosophical. And, you know, that may um, be because that may be just not his gig or, or maybe that's something I'm missing.
1: No, 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 no. I think it is something you're missing. I mean, that with no offense. Um, like if you read, like, I guess you have to read the book, uh, and take a picture with you reading the book. Um, but like you read it and it is philosophy. It's, it's very Nietzschean in how he writes. It sounds like the genealogy of morals in a lot of ways, but the genealogy of morals if it mentioned Mitt Romney, basically. Um, and it's, it, 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 I mean, if you haven't read it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about something you haven't read, especially when it's as heavy as what, what he writes about. Okay, okay. So Um, let's
0: rather than just sort of skirt around stuff, right? So if somebody Mm -hmm. kind of skims through what I do, I mean, assuming that they're actually listening to Mm -hmm. me and not freakouts on the internet, if they're actually listening to me, Mm -hmm. they'd say, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, non-aggression principle, private property, free markets, moral responsibility, free will, anti-determinism, you know, that kind of stuff, right? There would be, it wouldn't take Mm -hmm. too long to get the, the elevator pitch. For my show, like mm-hmm. the elevator pitch, being you suck in an elevator with someone who might invest in your business. What would you mm-hmm. say to that person to get them to invest in your business? You got a
1: minute and thirty seconds.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. so give me, um, give me his very brief. like Give me the brief of his basic principles.
1: Um. Let's see. I, I think I, I think I did give you the elevator pitch in, in the first part. That was about a minute and thirty seconds. That we yeah, talked but about there, but there was no actual um, philosophy
0: yeah. in that. That was like you know, it's good to work out fascism. And vital okay. energy. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: mean that's not really. Okay, that's okay. like a laundry actually, list. Actually, that's not no, philosophy. That's, that's, that's very fair. Very fair. Um, I'm actually taking a class on Schopenhauer right now, I'm inspired a bit by you and a bit by him. Um, so I guess that's a good place to start. Like he, like the Schopenhauer's philosophy. Uh, there's the concept of the will. Uh, the will and representation, but the will being the thing in itself, the Kantian term, um, the will being like the, 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 the real thing behind the mask of the representation of everything we see in the world, including our corporeal form. It's German idealism. Buy it if you want. I'm not, you know, I, I don't really believe it that much. Um, but it starts from that, like there's some truth within that concept itself of some vital energy, some urging, some striving, being behind everything. That's Schopenhauer's basic idea. And he takes that to you in your life. And then you, I guess filters it through Nietzsche, where it's like you create the meaning in your life. Um, like that is your responsibility to do that. And you should use everything to your ability to do okay, that. Okay, okay. Like that's, he, you know, sorry. I'm sorry. To a
0: I'm sorry to be interrupting, but I, you know, I have to be fairly brisk with this stuff because mm-hmm. that all sounds like um, narcissistic, pleasant sounding nonsense to me. Right. And again, you know, we'll just mm-hmm. talk about your thoughts rather than this Bronze Age, Bronze Age guy because he's not here and I haven't read his stuff. Mm-hmm. But so, my sort of fundamental mm-hmm. question when encountering a philosophical perspective is you know, you've got the big four, right? You've got your metaphysics, you've got your epistemology, mm-hmm. you've got your ethics, and you've got your politics, right? So, with regards mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. metaphysics, the question is always okay, what is reality? Now, German idealism mm-hmm. says that sense reality is a sort of imperfect reflection of this ideal, perfect, pure reality, whether it's the nation will or the world spirit or the common good or something Mm -hmm. like that, this sort of platonic Mm -hmm. idealism. And so for me, the first question is around metaphysics. Now, once you have your metaphysics down, what is the nature of reality? Then you have your epistemology. What is the nature of knowledge, right? And the -hmm. nature of knowledge, of course, is conditioned by the metaphysics. So if you believe... And I'm sorry to use these terms. It's you know kind of goofy, but but you know, that, those are the I,
1: I understand.
0: yeah those oh. are the accepted terms, right? So if your metaphysics mm-hmm. is what I would call empiricism, or uh, I call it uh, sensualism, which is basically your, your sense data accurately processes reality itself. Like you look at a tree, and it's a tree. By God. Now, of course, you don't see inside the tree. You don't see the history of the tree like some blurred image of Brian May in a Queen video or something like that. You, but you look and you see the tree. Now, it's not an imperfect reflection of some higher, perfect, pure, passionate tree of abstraction. It's just a damn tree. It's, 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 it's the goddamn tree right there. and And there's no... <laughs> Yes. Ghost in the tree that you're not seeing. There's no perfect tree. Uh, this, this is just a fucking tree right there. <laughs> that's that's what it is. It's the effing tree. That's that's the tree. Now, if, if you have as your metaphysics, okay, there's an objective empirical reality out there. And you are able to accurately, not necessarily perfectly, but accurately perceive it with your senses. And there's no freaky shit that's further out or back or deep or beyond or whatever. Like you look at a mm. bunch of people and it's a bunch of people. And you have a concept called a crowd, but the concepts in your mind, it's not some out there floating in the world kind of thing, right? And so if Mm -hmm. you've got the metaphysics of sense data, then you have the epistemology of reason and evidence. And then you have the ethics of individualism and UPB. And then you have the politics of voluntarism. That's kind of how Mm -hmm. the dominoes fall, right? So Mm -hmm. that's that's the stuff I'm looking for when I hear about a philosophy. Now, does Nietzsche deal with things in that way? God, no. Nietzsche was, to some degree, a revolt mm-hmm. against Socrates, because Nietzsche said that Socrates is mm-hmm. the demon that every philosopher battles with his whole goddamn life. Well, I don't think you have to fight the guy. It's the I think meme, you just...
1: uh, Socrates had a coming. Yeah. You, you only understand philosophy when you realize Socrates had a coming, and then you're a Platonist and it's all the way down.
0: Right, so I would say when... you say there's philosophy in what this guy does, and you've read a fair Mm -hmm. amount of his stuff. So then I would say, okay, well, Mm -hmm. philosophy has to start with the nature of reality. It has to start with the nature of reality. It can't start with the nature of the mind, because the mind is in reality. And so starting with the nature of reality, it has to do two things. It has to identify the empirical nature of reality. And it also has to deal with the problem, and it's a very, very, very big fucking problem that, that philosophy has to deal with, mm-hmm. philosopher has to deal with. If you say that sense data is not the ultimate truth, then you have to explain to me as a philosopher or as somebody who likes a certain philosopher, if you say sense data mm-hmm. is not accurate, then you have to explain to me why you're explaining your philosophy to me using sense data. Right? That's, that's the foundational mm-hmm problem that philosophers what's the nature of reality say oh well it's not sense data Hmm. sense data is an imperfect blah 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 right it's a mirage it's a fantasy it's right okay then why the hell are you using sense data to communicate to me your philosophy? Why? It makes no it's like me saying to you, well, you know, there's a much better way of communicating than sending carrier pigeons. Like we could just email each other and you say great well let's have a conversation and let's email each other and I say oh no Hell no. We're using carrier pigeons, right? And then you say, well, wait a second, Steph. You just told me. You just told me that carrier pigeons are a vastly inferior method of communication, so why don't we just email? I'm like, hey, man, mm-hmm. it's carrier pigeons or nothing. I guess, that's, that's, I so, guess if, so if, so I if I you're going to say sense down. data is imperfect, then you have to explain to me why you're telling me your philosophy using my ears or printing out and using my eyes to communicate your philosophy or i don't know you could be drawing it out in in my 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 hand rayman style or hang on hang on you could be drawing it out in my my hand rayman style so that's the foundational problem now if this dude or or your perception of this dude what is his nature Mm. what is the nature of reality according to this guy and how does it affect his theory of knowledge
1: um, I would say that, yeah, his metaphysics would start at like a German ideal of Schopenhauerian perspective where there is – it's, it's so hard to condense, so hard to summarize because it's a bit all over the place. Well, it's German. It's way. supposed to be confusing
0: um, so that you give up and say, fine, you have philosophy.
1: But it, it's, it's an aesthetic. That's kind of what it is. And I guess that actually starts from his metaphysics because it is Schopenhauerian. There is this will that is behind things. And I guess it could be described as a vital energy however you want to describe the will. Um, but it is behind things, and it, it's, his metaphysics are that, you know, he talks about reincarnation in parts of the book, and it's a mirror Schopenhauer's perspective on reincarnation. It's very right, so that's not like philosophy. You are reincarnated yeah, at your will rather than yeah, duality. Saying so, yes, that there's this ultimate that will behind
0: everything and calling it, you know, exciting energy or essential energy and talking about reincarnation, before, that's before. mysticism. I mean, German idealism is it, just mysticism to with some an umlaut. some umlad. extent it is. Yeah.
1: Extent, I would say, to some extent it is mysticism, and, like, it's... And it's like, how to put it, it's supposed to be that way. It's not coming. It's, like, he talks about things in this world, too, and politics, and it's all very interesting perspective. No, and, and, I, and, and all, like, all the
0: politics can be very interesting. But here's the fact. The fact is that if you as a philosopher or you as a thinker, if you have some mm-hmm. metaphysics other than objective, empirical, sense-perceived reality— which then does. you're not in the realm so, yeah, of philosophy. Like, you know, I used to work at a bookstore. Mm-hmm. One of my very first jobs was working in a bookstore. Mm-hmm. And the first thing, of course, you get all these books in these big boxes and these big crates, and you have to take the books out, and you have to put them in the right section, right? Like all the self-help books mm-hmm. in the self-help section, all the geography books and geography history. You go all the same. You know, my wife mm-hmm. worked in a library when she was a teenager, mm-hmm. and we, we had talks about, you know, you got <laughs> to right put things in the right section. you got to put things in the right section. Now, the moment that you're talking <laughs> about essential potential. energy and ultimate will and anti-empiricism, anti-sense data reincarnation, it's like, okay, you go in the mysticism section. Like, you, you, can, you, can, you can put the book in the philosophy section. It's just in the wrong section. So, yeah, this guy may have some very interesting insights. And, you know, maybe I'll, but, I'll have a look one day. But is, it sounds like a bunch of nonsense masquerading as philosophy, at least as far as the metaphysics and epistemology go.
1: And I think that'd be a fun debate, but I would recommend you read the book. It's very, very funny. But then a question I would ask is, what about Schopenhauer then? What about Kant? What about people who are wild, widely regarded, maybe correctly, maybe not, as philosophers? Would you put Schopenhauer in, in the mysticism section? Because that is also what he talks about.
0: Well, I, you know, if Schopenhauer were around, I'd ask, first of all, I'd ask him about his mom. I mean, that would be, <laughs> that would be first and foremost, because,
1: <laughs> because Schopenhauer
0: and his relationship <laughs> to women... Not exactly copacetic. Oh, yeah. So, but no, I would say yes. to Schopenhauer, I would say, okay, well, what's the nature of reality? And if he said, well, there's this will, and there's this alternate reality, and this new amenal reality, and this higher reality, and this, this whatever, right? <laughs> It'd be like, okay, then why the hell are you using mere sense data to transfer your arguments to me? Like, why are you using carrying pigeons when you claim there's so that's email? That's
1: the best tool we have. Sorry? But that's like trying to stop the conversation at the first go, which is a a very good objection. It does kind of does stop it at the first go. But assuming the response, because it's the best means we have and because we already are kind of questioning it and we're already not really trusting it from the get-go, from this first interaction, then that might mean that our sense data is, there is something inherently untrustworthy about it. And let's explore that rabbit hole. I guess that would be the rebuttal. Well, no, but you see, if if Schopenhauer,
0: hang on, if Schopenhauer says... Mm -hmm that sense data is the very best we have, then what the hell Mm -hmm. is the point of this higher reality? Like, if you're saying, well, sense data is the best we've got, then that is perfect. The very best that we have is perfect, right? So it's sort of like saying, well, you know, this guy lived to be 120 years old. Man, he had a really long life, and it'd be like, well, it's not really a long life if human beings lived to a million. And it's like, but human, human beings don't live to a million. So it's a long fucking life. No, no. Okay. That's a long life. I understand that in reality. But if in another realm human beings live to a million, it's like, what the hell is your problem? Why the hell are you talking about human beings living to a million when human beings don't live to a million? And 120 is a long, 120 is so long a life that you show up in the voter rolls in San Francisco to vote Democrat. Like that's how long <laughs> that that life is. So uh, anyway, let, let me move on to no another caller. But else. I appreciate this. I've heard about this guy. I will thanks definitely so much, have a so look. Great and this speaking
1: has been a real pleasure.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. Real pleasure. Talk to mm-hmm. you again.
1: Thanks. And yeah, do look at Babby I, I think you would like him and you would have a lot to discuss there. It's, I think that he's going to make
0: me there. want to do sit-ups. Uh, and um, Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's and that, that I, is I remember I remember seeing a picture of a guy called the golden one who, you know, was was yes, really, really yes, beefed similar. up. And um, mm-hmm. I, I remember thinking, and I think I said this in a show, you know, like if I had a torso like that, yeah, you couldn't catch me dead in a shirt either. But
1: <laughs> all right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Talk to you again. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Have a great one. bye
0: All right, now we're going to talk to, we're going to switch from Schopenhauer to uh, Nick. And Nick, uh, you're on the line. You're saying that you're having trouble in your marriage after having a six-month-old baby. Uh, Are you on the line? Oh, Nick. Hello, I'm here. Hey, how you doing, man? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Doing good. I was on mute, which I knew was uh, probably no, was no problem. there. Um, yeah. So we, we had a, we did not have a six month old baby. She came out on uh, zero days old, actually. I was um, going to make that joke, and, but I thought uh, I'd she, leave that up to you. My, my wife actually made that joke for you and, <laughs> nice. and, I, and I had to repeat it. So, um, but no, so he's currently six months old and, and we've, um, I mean, basically the question is essentially at what point can you blame someone after you've married them for something that is seemingly inherent to them and we both accepted our own flaws um when we entered marriage but yet at the same time we want to hold each other to a kind of a higher standard while also be accepting okay this is all very abstract and i appreciate
0: that but you're gonna have to if you don't mind if you can give me to um some more specific details
2: Yes, absolutely. So specifically, for example, um, more specifically, generally, uh, she will think she's very clear in a statement. So she may think she makes, she tells exactly what she wants to happen. So she may say, Nick, I need you to come home and clean tonight, right? And so I may come home and I may clean one thing but she thinks she wanted me to clean this whole area. And I didn't, I agree to clean, but I didn't clean exactly how she wanted me to clean. So she thought she was being clear. I thought I was listening and it didn't get done exactly the right way. And so how she responds to that to me may not be an appropriate response. It may be a little bit over the top and I may respond, hey, I, I hear you. I think your response is a little bit over the top given I was listening to you But she feels like I wasn't listening to her. And I feel like this is something that is, I'm sure, not unique to my marriage. It's very common where there's just that little bit of a communication gap. And then, you know, one side overreacts, the other side feels attacked. And it kind of gets, you know, that that weird zone there.
0: Right. That is very common. And, like, I really, really appreciate you bringing this up. And give me me a sense about the cleaning thing. So uh, do, do you and your wife both work?
2: So she just went back. She was out. She stayed home for six months. Um, She just went back this week and um, I work regular hours, nine to five and she works regular. She's a teacher. So she works um, about, she leaves about seven o'clock to about three o'clock. And why did Um, she go back? So she went back. Um, Our plan is, is to go back for, for about a year while she, we save money and hopefully she can stay at home for our second child. And our, her mother lives about a mile away is watching her for the next, hopefully a year or so while we just save a little bit more money to be stable. Is,
0: I mean, have you done the math, like in terms of how much she's actually making after taxes, after, I guess you've got childcare with your mom, right?
2: Yeah, we've got child, so we pay her a small amount because she just retired. Um, It's, we have done the math. So, a quick, quick important piece of the math is I have um, about ninety thousand school loans. Um, I make about 70, 70 plus thousand a year, and I've got pretty good upwards track there. And I'm kind of hoping inflation pays off on my school loans.
0: What did you um, uh, What so, did you get your schooling
2: in? So it was a long. Well, I ended up with accounting, and I'm uh, three classes away from my master's in data analytics. Um, okay. So, so it should be uh, worth it. Um, but it was before that, not so much worth it. I bounced around. Uh, I thought I wanted to help people. I was going to get into early childhood educational research, um, teaching. I was just kind of young and I didn't feel like I was really pushed in the right direction. I'm, I'm a very, I'm just some background. I me. Mean, I'm kind of ADHD, high energy, high intelligence, probably 140 to 160 IQ. Um, kind of that type of personality, um, And so I bounced around, thought I knew stuff, didn't know stuff and just kind of ended up in there. So I'm 30 and just, I got a job basically what I could have been doing when I was 23. I ended up doing when I was 29. So I'm, you know, I feel like I'm six years behind, but.
0: Was that uh, because of school or? Long story
2: short, go ahead. Was that because of school or other things? Um, Just, so I I was in and out of school. I hated school. I dropped out of high school actually and completed in summer school and I bounced around and I, I was so anxious in school and then um, couldn't really make up my mind. I never really felt like I was comfortable anywhere. It's kind of, I mean, I, I think you've talked about a little bit on the show. You, you feel like you're a different person. I feel like I have a hard time connecting sometimes that everyone just the standards. And I was in food service. I tried to make food service work for a long time and it just never quite um, could get it to work. Um, and that's why I ended up going with accounting and just going a different route. Um I just kind of wish someone told me just to stick to something and do it and, and be an entrepreneur. But, um, I kind of got sucked into the school loan, uh, school loan, go to school, get a degree thing and, and kind of went that route. So,
0: okay. I, so I think now. I understand. Um, so your wife is going to work for yeah. a year. Your mom is going to take care of your baby and then she's, you're going to have another mm-hmm. baby. Is that right?
2: So, I mean, that's the – financially, I think that makes sense. Given the, the expected raises, I'm doing pretty well in my job. And, and yeah, the, we hope to have three kids. Um, that, that's the plan. I think we can support it if I can get eighty to 90000 a year. And with the, you know, the government-backed loans, a little bit of inflation, paying back minimum amounts and suffering and not saving too much for retirement, um, doing the math, I think we can make that work. You know, not saving too much money, but um, it's worth it, you know, to keep her at home.
0: And what is she doing about breastfeeding?
2: She she's we're trying, she's actually pumping right now. She's all nervous and making fun of me. But um she she had a low supply, so it was tough for her. Um but we're we were about half and half for the first six months, and she's trying to do it now. She she nurses her as much as she can, but her supply is dwindling as it speaks. Yeah, and yeah, please speak. give her
0: my, my sympathies. Uh, breastfeeding is one of these things that you kind of imagine is kind of what, you know, it's like peeing, you know, that's half of what the penis is for. So (laughs) you think it's going to be pretty smooth sailing. But for a lot of women, uh, I remember a friend of mine's wife would just have to sit there for like six hours straight trying to get the baby to breastfeed until she became almost hysterical because it was like, oh my gosh, like, how do you just make this damn thing work? This whole thing, you'd be cutting around these feed bags (laughs) for decades. And then it's like, now it's time to do your job. No, we quit. So I'm sorry about that. That's, that's, tough. yeah.
2: It, it was shocking. It was, yeah, it was absolutely shocking to me. I just assumed going in, that, oh yeah, women just make enough to feed their babies. Then she's part of breast groups and some pump out gallons a day and others can't even feed the daughter at all. So it's, it's, it was crazy, but yeah, so that, that's, that's our story, but it, I think she's happy and she's got some, and she gets to love and support. And I think she gets at least the emotional bond from breastfeeding. Okay. Um, so, okay. So, that.
0: Let's let's take the cleaning example, right? So your wife says, "I need you to clean," right? Yeah. And. Or a specific task, and not not the
2: whole. You know, she's like, "No, let's let's let's." If we do too abstract,
0: it's tough to to solve anything. So let's do a specific one, Uh, which is the cleaning, right? So then you come home and you do your cleaning as you see fit, and then she says it's not right. Is that right? So that
2: would that would put it mildly for me is what would happen is maybe um, how I would see it is maybe she went over to see her mom. I would come home. I would do what I thought she would come in and she would come in. And in my view, I would take a, she would come in and attack me and say, Nick, I thought you were going to do this. You told me you were going to do this. And with an aggressive tone, maybe not screaming at me, but with a pretty aggressive tone, um, as if I didn't do something that I thought I was supposed to do. Um,
0: Wait. So you did or didn't do what, would, what you what you ahead. had said you were going to do?
2: Oh yeah. Sorry. I know I, I that. I, I so I would come home and maybe do what I thought I was supposed to do. Right. But in her mind, I did about half of what I was supposed to do.
0: And when did this sharp tone originate? Did it happen before the baby, before the marriage, before engagement, early in dating, or when did did you so first see this?
2: So the, I I've seen hmm. elements of this all along. Um, I, so in the sense that. She always, it was always, things always were a big deal. She's very emotional. And so things that aren't always a big deal to everyone else, to her, seem to be big deals. And so it's kind of one of those things that I, I try to accept at, on some level, which is, it, it, you know, how much of it you have to accept different people's, different people speak in different tones and it may mean different things, if that makes sense. No, hang
0: on, hang on, um, hang on. You don't like it when she speaks to you in this tone, right?
2: Yes. I so agree, yeah, so that, why would absolutely. you
0: accept that as a way of being communicated with
2: yeah <laughs> that's I mean kind of I'm, I'm sorry if I'm missing something
0: I... obvious, but if you don't like no. the way that tone comes to you, then you say to her, okay, let's let's do this. okay, you pretend to be your wife, right? yeah, okay, you come home, something is not to your satisfaction, and what do you say and then i'll I'll be you. what do you say?
2: I would say, Nick, why didn't why didn't you clean clean the living room like like you told me you would?
0: And I would say, Okay, I really don't like that tone. That that's really unpleasant for me. Like the first thing, you know, I would say, listen, when we meet each other like we've been away from each other during the day, the first minute or two kind of determine how our evening is gonna go and maybe how tomorrow is gonna go. You know, and if the first thing I hear out of your mouth is Nick, I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> that's unpleasant. I mean wh- wh- what's going on no, like why no, why, no, why would you why no, would you treat, why would you t- why would you talk to me that way I, I
2: I told you to do something you told me you were going to do something and it wasn't done So? so it's not fair so, to so, me. So so
0: wait are we saying is the rule going to be now my dear is the rule going to be that anytime our partner our spouse doesn't do exactly what we want we can snap at them? Is that, is that how we going to run the map? Is that the rule now? Like, well, what are we doing here? That's not right. There, listen, there are times when I expect you to do things and it doesn't happen exactly the way that I want. D- do I get to just, like, snap at you and say, hey, you know, I mean, is that how we want to run things? That doesn't seem quite right.
2: Yeah, and this is where I should know how to respond to this and this has happened, I mean, and I somehow cannot reproduce the words. You cannot what? My wife's right here. My wife's right here. When I, you don't have to get on the phone, but when I say that to you, when I, when you, you snap at me, she's right here. So she'll give you a response. When I say to you, I said this exact thing. When I say to you that, this is not how we can talk to each other. When you snap at me, I say, this is our standard. We can't talk like this to each other. You respond and you say, because Uh she's not going to be, she responds because she feels defenseless she feels like you feel kind of hopeless, right when things that you think are very clear, I can't do, but I don't do
0: no, 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 okay listen let's let's get it listen you've got you've got to start you've got get out of the self help section here okay so so here's the thing yeah. so if someone sorry, was she saying
2: something she said she doesn't she doesn't feel like she knows how to communicate more clearly than she did
0: yeah it's not a matter of she clarity really no 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 it's, okay it doesn't okay it's no. not a matter of clarity right so let's say that she gives you a simple instruction and you get it wrong she still doesn't get to snap at you that's like snapping right. at someone you know maybe if your child is about to wander into traffic you say hey you know like that you gotta you gotta keep it but for, for the big things because you've got this thing like oh will she feel helpless if you like it doesn't matter because you're trying to find some causality, some earlier domino that falls down, wherein somehow it's justified for your wife to yeah. snap at you when she comes in. Right? Now, the problem is yeah. there is no causality. There is no prior series of dominoes that makes it okay for your wife to snap at you.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, that. that's just like, and that's the baseline. Thing. Like, no, 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 that we're not going to do. You can be upset with me, you can be yep. disappointed with me, you can think I've done something wrong, and we can talk about it, but you're not going to snap at me like I'm one of your students who put the wrong glue in the wrong jar. Like, that's not going to happen. And, and the reason why that's not going to happen is that if you ever want to make yourself miserable as a wife, you'd start treating me with disrespect. If you start treating me with disrespect, if you start treating me like a naughty little boy, you are going to be so miserable as a wife. Because then you're going to say to yourself at three o'clock in the morning, you're going to wake up and you say, oh, my God, I married a child. Oh, my God, I married an idiot. Oh, I married a fool who can't follow simple instructions. And boy, I mean, if you ever want to see a miserable wife, you look at a wife who treats her husband with disrespect. So you say to her, listen, I don't like being talked to in that way, and I won't accept it. Like, I'm not going to have a conversation With this tone, not going to happen, right? And I do that, I say that, not just because I don't like it, but because if I allow this to happen, our marriage is going to be seriously undermined and your happiness is going to be seriously undermined. And here's another thing. We have a child in the house. And if that child sees you snapping at me and bossing at me and disrespecting me, how is that child going to have respect for me? How is that child going to have respect for you? Because that child is going to look at you, my dear, and they're going to say, oh, you're snapping at your husband like he's some fool, which meant that you voluntarily chose to date, get engaged to, get married to, and have a child with a fool. And we cannot afford, as parents, to diminish each other, either as marriage partners, but particularly in front of our child. We cannot do it. It is not. Now, if you had a tough day and you kind of want to boss someone around to feel better and so on, we can talk about that. You can say, oh man, I had this desire to really come in and snap at you because I had a bad day. Yeah, we can talk about that like adults. But I'm not going to sit there and be this scared little boy who hopes that mommy is happy with what he did when she told him to do stuff. Because this thing where she says to you, well, I told you to clean the living room and you said you would is a way of dominating you. It's a way of bossing slash bullying you. Like you made a commitment and you failed to live, deliver on your commitment and I'm going to snap at you because you have displeased her highness, right? Like that's thats not, no, that's, you can't let that happen, man. You can't let that happen as a husband. You can't let that happen as a man. And you sure as hell can't let that happen as a father because that lack of respect for you is going to drip straight down the chain of command to your kid.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've tried to not let it happen and it's kind of escalated a little bit um
0: and it's it well, no you don't you, um, you know d- you don't engage right so if someone if yeah. you know i mean my wife would never but if if she or if some girlfriend or whatever came in and talked to me like that i would say no 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 i said tell you what tell you what here's what we're gonna do why don't you go back outside the house come in and try i'll give you a do i'll give you a mulligan i'll give you a do-over okay because you know clearly you've had a bad day you're in a bad mood you want to take it out on someone and Like, come on, that's not fair, right? So why don't you go out, come back in, and try that again. Like we like each other, you know? (laughs) Like we're married. Like we love each other. (laughs) Like we made a baby together. Like we enjoy each other's company. Like we respect each other. Like we care for each other. Go out, come back in, try it again. Because that's not... (laughs) That's not how this scene is going to play out. Now, she may yeah. sit there and say, well, I'm still really bad at you, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, listen, if you're going to talk in that tone to me, I am not going to participate in the conversation, right? Yeah. And, and if it means putting headphones on, if it means picking up your child and going to a coffee shop, like if it means like you just not – I'm not going to engage in that level of conversation because it's not fair, it's not reasonable, it's not respectful, it undermines our marriage. It's bad for us, right? Like, if she said to you, hey, you know, I've got a really lovely spider cake here, you'd be like, hmm, I know the elites want us to eat insects, but I'm not putting spider cake in my mouth, right? And if she's like, no, I really want you to eat spider cakes, like, mm, I'm not, you know? <laughs> so you just don't participate in that. And, of course, you also have to ask the questions to help figure out what's at the bottom of that. Like, what is at the bottom of someone like- coming in and snapping at you? It's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with the cleaning. It's got nothing to do with the living room. It has nothing to do with her job. It's way back down deep. It's how her mother dealt with her father. It's how her sister deals with her husband. It's how her, like, it's something. Way back, way deep. And if you engage at the level of, well, you're upset because I didn't clean the way you wanted to, you're masking the actual deep causes of that behavior. And you're convicting yourself rather than looking. For the actual problem, which is a very interesting, fascinating, deep, complex, and multi-layered conversation. So do not engage at the surface level. If people want to stay at the surface snappy level, you cannot, you cannot, as a man, as a husband, as a father, and if, you, if your wife is, if your husband is doing this to you as a wife, as a mother, you can't accept it. You can't accept it. Don't engage at that level. It is incredibly harmful. It kills your sex drive. It kills your attraction. Your wife needs to look up to you, and you need to look up to your wife. And everything you do in a marriage that diminishes your partner one-tenth of one percent is shooting yourself in the foot. If she gives you the sense, and this is the sense that I get. Tell me if it's different for you, of course. But if she gives you the sense yeah. that you're just some naughty boy who doesn't listen to simple instructions, then she is diminishing you in a eventually catastrophic way. And you simply, you cannot allow yourself to be diminished for you, for her, and for your, yeah,
2: yourself. It's, it, yeah, it's not that far off. Um, and, and I think it's close. I do feel like I try and then I make decisions and it's almost like she doesn't trust that I'm making the right decisions. I, I may, I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to make the best decisions sometimes and, and it, I it ends up being the wrong decision in her mind and I get attacked for it, which doesn't feel great. Um, but in her defense, just real quick, no, no, no no, to, but... hear, no, no. I don't. I
0: know. I don't. No, no. I don't. I don't want to hear in her defense. I really don't. I really don't because there is no defense. No.
2: Yeah, I hear. No, you. No. Listen.
0: So you know what I would say to something <laughs> yeah. like that is, wait a minute. I chose you to be my wife. Are you saying I don't make good decisions?
2: Yeah.
0: And and you chose me <laughs> yeah. to be your husband. I mean, Are it's... you saying that you don't make good decisions? Like why would you choose someone who doesn't make good decisions? And why? If I don't make good decisions, why would I be married to you? Well, that's, a found, that's a foundational yeah. question. The moment you start undermining your spouse's fundamental belief in their own competence, you're undermining the marriage. You're, you're hacking at the and base of the bonds that, that, that keep you bit, together. Yeah. I'm sorry?
2: I said I think we're down that path a little bit. And I think I want to stop it before it goes too far down that path, because I think it's already started kind of where we, we're going down that road where we're kind of like questioning that, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. and, like, and that are, is, that is going to happen.
0: Yeah. You know, that there is no bigger predictor for the end of a relationship than contempt. And I'm not saying yeah. that you're there yet. I don't know, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. But, you know, chipping away at that disrespect stuff, oof, there is something in women that enjoys being a matriarch and enjoys feeling more competent than the men. Right. And you see this all over the place in, you know, these stupid men are idiots commercials. And, you know, it's all over the place. And 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 it is, you know, I, I get it. Men have their own weaknesses and their own foibles. But this sort of bossy, naggy arrogance that comes from women uh, is something that um, some women. It, it is something that, yeah, you you, you can't have in you. You just can't have it. You can't have it. You say, OK, what's what's the long term? What is going to be the long term effect, my dear, of you treating me as someone who's incompetent, as someone who's foolish, as someone who makes bad, what is the long-term effect of that going to be on our marriage? What is the long-term effect going to be on your sexual desire for me, if you think I'm sort of a retarded boy? What is going to be the long-term effect of our parenting strategies? You know, there's this thing, you know, this cliche, some people call it a, a, a hen party, some people call it a stitch and bitch, where women get together, have some wine, and bitch about their husbands. And I've never had a girlfriend who ever indulged in that. My wife certainly would never in a million years, just as I would never sit there and and bitch about my wife or anything like that because she's she's wonderful. And there's something about women, they just, I don't know if it's like, if I really love my husband, other women are going to attack me or reject me or like you have to somehow join this coven of discontent. And your husband is an idiot and you just roll your eyes and put up with him. And, oh, it's such a load of garbage. It really is such a load of garbage. It's so self-indulgent. It's so mean. It's so diminishing. And it, it's one of the things that makes women the most unhappy is to, you know, you, your wife needs to worship you. You need to worship her. And you need to very strongly. Now, I don't mean forcefully. I don't mean yelling. I don't mean because, you know, you, strength is not yelling. You know, strength is just certainty. You know, like when I had a debate years ago, it's one of my most popular videos with the, the flat earth guy. I didn't yell at the guy. It's like, no, the sun is not closer to Western Australia. <laughs> it's just like, I don't need to yell it, right? Two and two make four. You don't need to yell that. I mean, you just, you just know. And so when you're not, see, here's the thing. When you get into a lot of conflict with your spouse, what happens is when you're not in conflict, you want to avoid contentious topics, right? Because you get kind of exhausted with a lot of conflict. And then when you're not in conflict, you just want to have fun. But the problem is then you only ever deal with conflict when one or both of you is upset. And that's a terrible time to deal with conflict. The way you deal with conflict is when you've cooled down, when the kid's asleep or, or whatever it is, you know, it's 10 o'clock at night or it's 11 o'clock at night. You sit there, you have your decaf coffee if you're me or whatever. Some people have a glass of wine or whatever. And you sit there and you say, okay, let's, let's rewind a little today because... Things got a little nutty there, and and let's try and find ways to avoid that. So you know what is going on now. Your wife may want to keep it at the level of well, I keep telling you what to do, and you keep getting it wrong. Right, and you can't let her keep it at that level. Like that's that's absolutely unfair. I mean, just the empirical evidence, right? You're you're successful in your career. You're going to make seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars. You're going to support the family, like she chose you. She can't just, you can't choose someone to spend your life with, choose someone to have a baby with or babies with and then say that person is incompetent. I mean, that's just wrong. That is just so foundationally and fundamentally wrong. I don't even know what to say about it. Right? So like, no, we're not talking about it at this level. Like we're not, we're not talking about it at this level. Like somehow you're the hard done by one here and I just get everything wrong. I mean, that's, that's, that's wrong. That's incorrect, and, and I'm not going to live. I'm not going to live in a situation or in an environment where that's the perspective, because it's not fair. You know, I'm pulling home reasonable money. I'm going to be responsible for my debts. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to pay for you and three kids to be raised. Like for God's sakes! And the other thing too, if your wife enjoys you having uh, a decent income, do you know the best way that she can get you to move ahead in your career where you outstrip people? who started 10 years earlier, you said you lost some time in your 20s. The best way for your wife to have you move ahead in your career and make lots of money and have a lot of success is to think you're a god. Right? To think that you're an incredibly competent person, that you're wise, that you're sensible. If you have that kind of support, there is literally no limit to what you can do in your career. And if you don't have that kind of support... Other people who have that kind of support are just going to sail past you because everything that your wife plants in your head sinks deep down into your soul and affects everything you do. So you sit there, you go to work, and you're having a complicated meeting with a tough client you have to negotiate with. And if deep down in your heart yeah. and your mind, you're sitting there saying, yeah, well, I can't even clean the living room correctly.
2: <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously. I'm not fucking yeah. kidding. No, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm laughing because it's, it's, it's inaccurate. I mean, it's not really accurate because I'm, I'm pretty confident in myself. And I, but but it's going to change. The thoughts creep up. It's like, yeah. You, you know, cannot, you cannot
0: be more successful than the people in your life give you permission to be. This is a foundational reality. You know, people who read the Ayn Rand, and it's also independent, and Howard Rourke and, and John Galton, they're all just so... In, it's like, that's not how we are, because we're bound in with each other. I cannot be more successful than my listeners want me to be. I cannot be more competent than my family and friends encourage me to be. Like, I can't do it. That's the power of enmeshing yourself in a family. You get great power or you get great weakness. And so not only is she going to kill her sexual desire for you, not only is she going to undermine your authority as parents, she's undermining your career. And it's, you know, it's all well and good for her who has, government unions and government protections and no competition from the free market you know it's all well and good for her to say well you know you're not that competent it's like honey you work for the government you know no disrespect but it's not really the same kind of environment so you know maybe cool it a little bit with the competent stuff yeah
2: yeah and i think this i mean it's it's definitely helpful because i i'm torn between i think listening to you i I definitely feel that way and i feel like maybe you would have said that but also i i know you've Looking at some of my own flaws, it's kind of like there's certain things that are off limits, though. But I know you've also mentioned taking maximum responsibilities is kind of another route. And I think there's certainly things that I could do better. No, no, listen. No, 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 listen. listen,
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, listen. No, it's important, important. So with regards to fundamental, like, okay, flaws, right? You say, I know I have my own flaws, right?
4: Yeah.
0: Okay. Do you snap at your wife a lot?
2: Not a lot, very occasionally.
0: Okay, so your wife snaps at you Usually more than you in snap response at her. Right? To her snapping. <laughs> yeah. No, in terms of initiating the snapping, your wife snaps at you more than you snap at her, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so she's treating you with disrespect a lot more often than you treat her with disrespect, at least the initiation of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you may have other flaws, I'm sure you do, but in this particular instance, this is on your wife. So I get, yeah. you know, well we gotta but you you can't sit there and say, well, I have my own flaws and therefore I can never criticize someone who's treating me disrespectfully. It's like, well, of course you can. You don't have to no. be perfect to demand reasonable treatment from someone who claims to love you. Yeah. You understand? I think and it and listen when once once
2: she, I do
0: understand, go ahead. Yeah, and once you get married once you get married, you cannot focus on fundamental flaws. Because if there are fundamental flaws, you shouldn't have got married. Once you tie that knot, once you bind your life together, once you make children together and you live together, you cannot look at your partner and say there are fundamental flaws. I I can't imagine looking at my wife and saying she's fundamentally flawed. She's not. Now... I had a whole bunch of girlfriends before I got married and those women had some fundamental flaws at least relative to what I wanted. So I didn't marry them. But once you find the woman who's perfect for you, focusing on the flaws is like marriage is not a fucking reform school. Marriage is not a prison where you got to earn your way out. Marriage is not an endless bicycle race up a hill. Marriage is I've decided you are perfect for me. And so I'm not going to police everything you do and try to spend the rest of my fucking life improving you and tinkering with you and trying to fix you and trying to change you. You know, if you've got 40 cars in the lot or 400 cars in the lot and you go up and down and you look everything up and you test drive and you finally pick that one car you take that car home and say, man, I got to change this car. Mm-hmm. No, no
5: the, the, that was the choice you made.
0: Is, Sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah. I was gonna say, that's part of the reason why, I mean, I her because I felt like she shown, at least earlier, you know, before marriage, she showed a great ability to be self-critical and, and she showed the ability to say, like, I do feel like I was too aggressive. I feel like I was being too hard on you. I need to be nicer and, and stuff like that. And so I felt I didn't feel like she was perfect in this area, but I feel like she was improving. And then I think maybe at some point she stopped improving or maybe just stresses with the baby and just being worried, worried mom or anxiety. No, 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 no. listen, you're trying to be be the understanding guy. Stop stop
0: that. Stop being the understanding guy and stop being the leader in this area. Okay, there is nothing about stress that has us turn on each other. So she's having a stressful day at work. She can come home. She can put her head on your shoulder. You can give her a hug. You can talk about it. Right? There is nothing in stress or difficulty that makes us turn on each other. Nothing. There's absolutely no reason why stress and difficulty can't bring you closer together, have you be more supportive and more loving with each other. Because how the fuck does it help her day if she comes home Snaps and crabs at you and has more conflict. That doesn't help her. It doesn't help her de-stress, does it? So stop giving yeah, her excuses. Yeah. Well, I'm not perfect, it's like, no, no, you are perfect for her. <laughs> Otherwise, she shouldn't have married you and had a baby with you. And you have to, to debunk that. Like, let me just give you this as a thought experiment. I give this to the whole world as a thought experiment. What if you woke up tomorrow and nothing needed to be fixed about you? What if nothing needed to change? What if there was no big fundamental foundational flaw that you had to fix? What if you woke up in the morning, looked in the mirror and said, yeah, this is great. I'm fine. I'm doing well. Well, are you perfect? It's like, (laughs) Jesus, Mm -hmm. I don't know. What the fuck does that even mean? You know, when I had cancer, (laughs) sorry, I know that's a bit of a segue, lobster, but when I had cancer, I had a full-on body scan because, you know, when they first found the lymphoma in my neck, right? They 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 had a, they did a full body scan. And it was not yeah. the best medical experience because they did a full body scan because they needed to see if there were tumors anywhere else, right? So then I yeah. remember I was getting my first round of chemo or something. The nurse came up and she said, oh, we've got the results of your scan. And you, you have a tiny little cyst here and you've got a little wobble there and there's a little whatever, whatever, right? Now, there was no... Doctor, they're saying, but none of that matters. I'm like, oh, well, what the hell does all this mean? <laughs> I don't know. i Am I not perfect? Right. And, you know, it turns out none of that stuff. Everybody has like weird little shit in their body, right? Whatever it is, right? Yeah. And it didn't matter, right? So you say, you know, I'm a healthy guy. I am. I am a healthy guy. I am a healthy guy. I, I went rock climbing with my daughter the other day, did an hour and a half. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm a healthy guy. Now you say, ah, but when you had that full body scan there was a little cyst here and there was a little eh, there a little eh, there, it's like, no, I'm a healthy guy, right? Compared to what? Compared to having cancer? Yeah, pretty healthy guy. Yeah. So what if, and this is just a conversation to have with you and your wife, right? Because she should be right. a part of this too. What if your home, your sanctuary, your marriage, your wife, your husband, what if that's the one place where nothing needs to be fixed? Nothing needs to change. There's nothing wrong. Because look, and you say, well, does that mean I never improve? It's like, but you improve from a place of self-acceptance. You, you improve from a place of being loved. You improve out of an enthusiasm for the better rather than a fear of criticism and nagging. What if there was nothing wrong with you? Isn't that a yeah. wild thought?
4: What if I there's nothing is that needs to be
0: fixed? Yeah. What if there's nothing that needs to change? I tell yeah, you. That's
2: a much healthier place to start, I think, than, than the, well, than no, the but alternative. Well, no, you're thinking of
0: starting again, which indicates <laughs> that there's some place you need to be. Just accepting who you are. Just accepting who you are and enjoying who you are. There's growth just in that. And look, yeah. it's trusting that you're going to grow out of curiosity and joy and excitement and, and all of that. That's just going to happen of its own. I mean, you don't sit there with a sapling in your backyard like I planted some fruit trees, right? Because I like fruit and I'm patient. So I planted some fruit trees and they started off pretty small. And I don't stand out there every day saying, you're too small. Grow, you idiots. I don't. They're perfect just the way they are. If I wanted bigger trees, I guess I could have dug up some stuff and put some bigger trees. I put the trees in just right. They're going to grow of their own accord. There's nothing wrong with them being small at all it's a necessary part of where they are. And they don't, I hope they don't sit there. Of course, they don't. They don't have any brains. Sit there and say, oh, I'm so small. I'm so short. I'm not producing any fruit. I'm so discontented with myself. It's like, what if? What if? Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's not just a personal thing. It's a cultural thing too, right? Because, you know, like we in the West, you know, oh, it's a legacy of slavery and Jim Crow and oppression and war and blah, 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 blah. It's like, people just try and grind you down. They try and beat you down. They try and set you against yourself. I'm not look, I'm not putting your wife in the category of cultural marxism here. I want to be very very clear about that. That's just like a little it's a little it's a little yeah, issue no. to deal with. But what if you could just look across from your wife and say, "Man, you are just I wouldn't change a thing. I would not change a thing about you." Because you had the opportunity to choose someone different and you didn't, and whoever you choose is perfect. Because You could have chosen someone else, or you could have chosen to not get married at all. What if you and your wife could sit across from each other and say, you're perfect. There's nothing I would change about you. Because we're not these little dials. I I haven't done that. Yeah, you need to. You need to. Now, now, of course, I I, I know, sorry to interrupt. I'll I'll shut up in a sec. But I know that people are listening to this and saying, yeah, yeah, I I know that, that, that... that um, people are listening to this and say, "Well, what if?" Well, he's he's saying he's nothing. He should change about his wife, but he does want to change things about his wife because his wife is snapping at him and so on. It's like yes, but his wife is snapping at him because she wants something to change about him. And when you want something to change about someone, you are automatically rejecting who they are, and you're dealing from a place of being rejected, and that's not fun, and that's yeah. not good, and you can't marry someone and then reject them. So try this as an experiment, man. It's a very, very powerful thing to do. Try this as an experiment and say to your wife, let's try a week. A week where we only say positive things to each other. A week where nothing needs to be fixed and nothing needs to change. A week where we're perfect. Let's see what comes out of that. I can't even tell you, man, how much joy... And happiness is yeah. going to come out of that.
2: I bet. I, and I have, said, I have said several times to her that the only thing I would change about her is that she snaps at... I've, I've said that to her specifically. The only thing I would change is that you snap at things that I think are over the top and unnecessary. Um, but you don't need to put up with
0: any of that. You can just disengage from those conversations. Mm-hmm. You can't control her. You can only control yourself. But see, once you get to the root cause, and listen—if she ever wants to call into my show, she's certainly welcome. to. but if you—you know—if you get to the root cause of that, it'll stop. It'll stop. Yeah. And it won't well, be. I a appreciate
2: it a lot. Because, I mean, it's very helpful. Yeah. All right,
0: keep keep me uh, yeah. keep me posted if you can. And thanks very much for the call. It was—I uh, hope—very uh, helpful and I think very clarifying for for others as well. All right, thanks, man. Oh, I really, man, really I, appreciate I, I it.
2: Hope, I hope it was. Thank you.
0: Thank you. All right, okay. let's talk to Monsieur Le David about free markets. Laissez-nous faire, Monsieur. David, are you on? Sorry about the long wait. You have to unmute if you are in fact muted. All right. David, go in once, go in twice. There's nothing wrong with you. You are perfect, but you still need to talk to me. <laughs> All right. I have to return him to the queue. Let's move on to Josh. Josh, you wanted to talk about um, spanking. Is that right? Unless it's actually banking and the transcription got got it incorrect. Are you with me? (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. uh,
3: That's correct. More like um, like spanking is a form of discipline and um, its relation to the non-aggression principle.
0: Right. Well, what do you think?
3: Well, that's what I called about.
0: I wanted to know. Well, let me ask you this. Hang on. Is spanking the initiation of the use of force? Um, Yes, it is the initiation of the use of force. Well, isn't that your answer? Well, um,
3: not necessarily, because force, when applied correctly, is absolutely appropriate.
0: Okay, give me an example, not related to spanking, where force, the initiation of force, not self-defense, but the initiation of force is appropriate.
3: Um, the initiation, all right, so not self-defense. Um, how about defending others?
0: Well, that's what, self-defense that, by proxy. That self-defense? No, that's, that's self-defense. I mean, it's, it's the defense of others by proxy. It's still the same principle, okay. right? The principle is universal, so whether you defend you or I defend you doesn't really matter because the principle is universal.
3: okay. Okay, then, in, in that instance, I guess, um, I, I can see your point. But the, um, another instance where you might use force would be, um, I mean, we use verbal force in our persuasion. Um, our body language, we exert uh, a dominance.
0: Um, and wait, what is, hang progress, on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> wait, 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 hang on. How do we get to, like, from, from physical violence to assertive postures? I, I don't quite understand. Well,
3: because one breeds from the other. Um, assertive postures breeds a reaction right so if you want to draw a line where uh just a posture doesn't you know you're going to dictate where that what where that leads to and the reaction that has in another person that's the risk you take by interacting with people right i'm sorry i don't i don't understand what you're talking
0: about are you saying that if i have a physically uh assertive posture and someone punches me i cause that or what do you mean
3: well, well, wait, wait, well, to, it could ex- it could happen exactly that way. If, um, for instance, uh, if you are in a bar and having a drink and um, somebody comes by and kind of bumps into you and they're a little intoxicated, instead of being polite, you get loud and mouthy and you seem like you're going to be aggressive to that person and you might start something. They may take a preemptive action and use a level of force that, may not seem to you to be appropriate, but in their mind, they're taking a preemptive action so that they do not suffer bodily harm.
0: Well, okay, so there is so preemptive... The hang on, getting hang on. hit
3: first or getting hit Yeah, second. no, I
0: get it, I get it. So, look, there is preemptive self-defense that is allowed. Obviously, if a guy's running at you with a knife, you can shoot him, right? So there, you don't have to wait for him to stab you, right? So there is preemptive self-defense. But you don't get to punch people who are rude. That's just not moral right? Because rudeness is something you can avoid. A punch is something that lands on you against your will, right? You can walk away well, from, agree, from rudeness agree, with no injury, but, if, but you can't walk away from being punched with no injury. That's so so oh, preemptive... Well, wait a se-
3: second, wait a second. You were talking in the last phone call, you were speaking with this guy, and I, I was blown away by your wisdom. My God, man, that was the best advice on marriage I've ever heard anybody give.
5: Thank you. But
3: besides that, you mentioned that, um, you know, the way you feel about your wife. Right now, some belligerent jerk comes up to you and insults your wife in front of her, right? And doesn't just stop there, it keeps insulting your failure to act.
0: We leave the situation, will
3: affect your marriage.
0: No, we leave the situation.
3: Uh, yeah, that's a that's an easy cop out, but if um, it, no, no, you know, it's, not a, a no, not, it's not a cop out, no, it's not a cop out. It's not, cop out. it's not a
0: cop-out. It's not a cop-out. It's called being mature. Okay. Do, you know what, do you know what would really affect my marriage? If I punch some guy for talking trash and I go to jail for six months. You know, that's really going to affect my marriage.
2: Yeah, I guess,
3: I guess it would, but um, there, are cer- there are circumstances where your failure to act will affect you. It, it absolutely will.
0: I'm and not sure what can, you're talking about. Talk of, like, I mean, everything affects me. I don't know what you happen. mean.
3: Well, no, you said that um, at the act of, the act of turning away and words, you know, don't affect you. Those, um, you know, the comments somebody no, made. No, 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 I didn't say, no, no, no,
0: hang on. I didn't say words don't affect you. If I thought words don't affect you, I wouldn't have conversations with people. What I mean is that you can walk away from rudeness without physical injury, but you can't walk away from being punched without physical injury. So words well, don't right, physically right. Physical injure injury. you. Of course words affect okay. you.
3: Okay. Okay. Um, so the, the physical chemistry in your brain and the respect your partner has for you, to me, that's, that's physical. So I guess that's, that's where we would have the difference. In a, no, but you in see, a, my,
0: my partner would not problem. respect me for punching a rude person.
3: No, she wouldn't. Because <laughs> it would depend on the level of rudeness. If, if no, no, it doesn't, no blood, it
0: doesn't depend on the it. level of rudeness. It's a basic element of self-control. It's a basic element of self-control. People can be rude to you. Listen, you don't think people are ever rude to me? Of course they are, right? But you oh, can't I'm go sure around are, punching people who are rude these. to you.
3: Well, no, I mean, we're, we're talking about an extreme situation here. You know, the,
0: the, the... principle doesn't ma- like a principle doesn't have extremity as an option. There's no opt out when it comes to extremity. Like, you don't sit there and when you get married, right, you don't sit there and say, uh, I'm going to be monogamous to you unless I come across a willing Sofia Vergara, well-oiled, in the sun, you know, there's no there's no asterisk to a okay. principle, right? So you don't sit there and say, no, you don't get to punch people for verbal abuse unless they say this word, and then you do, right? The whole point of a principle is it's kind of an absolute, right? There's no asterisk there, right? And listen, there are certainly some situations where you feel that hot-blooded and hot-tempered response to, to a verbal instigation, to an insult or to whatever it is, right? Uh-huh. And that's where self-control and self-mastery is, right? Like, I mean, as a friend of mine said once, uh, you know, like, yeah, I still notice attractive women. I'm married. I'm not dead, right? But let's say there's some woman who's exactly your type who comes along uh, and, and whatever, right? But you don't, you just avoid those situations. I've never been in a situation. I've never been in a situation where someone has verbally abused me or my wife to our face. Never. I mean, I just—I'm not in those locales. I'm not around those kinds of people. I'm not in those uh, environments.
3: What, at what age did you get married?
0: Uh, I got married uh, in my thirties.
3: Interesting. Okay, so that—that that yeah. might be—that might be a cause. Uh, no, read, no, no, no. I, had lots, of go- I had,
0: had lots of—I had lots of girlfriends. Married. Hang on. I started dating in my teens, mid-teens. I had lots of girlfriends all throughout the years. Was never in a situation where someone was trash talking my girlfriend. I'm just not in those environments. Anyway, you were saying. Sorry. Go ahead.
3: Well, yeah, um, Vegas is a different kind of town, but um, anyway, my uh, yeah, I, I don't see that the uh, it, that initiation of force is necessarily aggression. Um, that's all. I, I think that uh, force has a you know force has a use, and it, it can be corrective if applied correctly. Um,
0: but if it's no, but so you you, wrong. you can't talk about force. Without including the initiation off, right? Because of course force can be corrective. If right. some guy's running at you with a chainsaw, you shoot him in the leg. Or you shoot him in the chest or you shoot him in the face. I don't care. You well, you do whatever you need to protect yourself, right? I get all of that. Force can be absolutely okay. corrective.
3: Uh, a friend of mine was drunk. I refused to give him his keys. I took them from him. I initiated force to get the keys from him. He wanted to drive drunk. That was his call, not my call.
0: No, you didn't, well, no you, didn't, you, didn't, right you didn't initiate force. I
3: stepped, oh, I stole his keys from him and didn't give him back. You did I not steal his keys him from him. him.
0: You didn't steal his keys from him. You <laughs> prevented him from committing an illegal action that could have resulted in death to himself, great harm to others, destruction of the car. And the real question is not how he perceives it while he's drunk. The perception that the important question is how does he perceive it the next day? Right so the next day hopefully exactly. he's sobered up. Right so the next day he's exactly sobered up and is he point. going to press charges against you? Of course not.
3: Of course not. He's going to sober up but just like the child who you have to smack on the butt because they're doing something that is going to have disastrous results for them later and talking to them is not getting through is the same exact action. Bullshit.
0: It
5: is the absolute
0: Italy. bullshit. You j- hang on Josh that's You're absolute bullshit. Hang on. No 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 no. Can't let that stand. Absolute bullshit. You talked about okay. taking keys away from someone who's about to commit an illegal yep. and dangerous action, right? That's right. Now, you didn't say right. you get to beat your friend. You get to hit him in the face. I didn't
3: say, didn't say nothing about beating a
0: child. You said hitting a child. I said so you've gone from taking property away to prevent an illegal action to initiating the use of force against a child. You cannot put those in the same category, man. That's not fair. It's,
5: uh, wait,
3: wait, wait. A dangerous action. Dangerous action. Okay, forget law for a second because a child can't commit a crime. So, dangerous action. That's what's important here. It's the danger of the action. If the child's action is putting it in danger and a constructive word, positive reinforcement, those methods do not work on this child. Sometimes a little force applied in the right way can save that child's life.
0: Okay, so give me an example. And I, I don't give me an example. Hang on, give me, give me an example. It's a word very abstract. I need a sort of concrete okay. example. And I'm enjoying this, okay. by the way. Um, I appreciate the debate, but go on.
2: All right, I,
3: um, I try not to talk in analogies too much, but here would be a, a one for you. So as a child, I happened to really, really like knives and fire, okay? My mother was very, very much about not... And this goes back to, to, to some points you made about the way you're raised, right? So my mother was very caring, very loving, made sure that she gave me all the attention and love I needed. The problem was I liked to do things I wasn't supposed to do, right? Um, I would, you know, like, like try to make firecrackers and do all these things, climb and chandling fences when I was three years old, and just playing with knives and stuff like that. Well, I learned when my mom swatted my ass, that touching that knife wasn't worth getting my ass smacked. So that's the only reason I didn't touch the knife. That's the only reason why I didn't try to light matches on fire. The only reason. Because I was afraid of the consequences, and the consequences were not worth it. So
4: All I right. didn't do it.
0: All right, now let me ask you a question. I appreciate, like, appreciate that sharing. It's a powerful story, and I just have one question. What was going on in your childhood that you wanted to set fire to things and use knives?
3: I don't know. Not not set just fire to things. Fire is an amazing, amazing
0: chemical reaction. It's just its
3: amazing when you watch what fire does to something. It takes it from its natural state, and it turns it into a completely different state. And that state is inert. No, no, no.
0: Hang on, hang on. No, I understand. Hang on, hang on. I, I understand that fire is fascinating. So... If you have an interest in fire, your parents can sit you down and say, okay, we're going to go put the stones out in the backyard, or we're going to go someplace where we could start a fire. We're going to start a fire. We're going to talk about fire. We're going to explain the fire. We're going to poke at the fire, and we're going to teach you about the fire. We're going to teach you how to respect fire, how to take care of it, how, you know, it's a good servant, a dangerous master, and all that kind of stuff. So the fact that you're interested in fire doesn't mean, I think, Oh, I don't see how it causes you to be some dangerous pyromaniac who's going to set fire to half the Amazon forest, right? Because you can be educated on fire with your parents' participation, and they can gain a commitment from you because you respect and love them, where they say, listen, until such and such an age, we don't want you to play with fire on your own, and we'll explain why we go through it, this, that, and the other, right? So my question Mm -hmm. is, what was going on with your childhood that that didn't seem to have happened?
3: Well, I I did light fires and campfires with my father. Uh, He let me light the barbecue fire when we do barbecues. Um, You know, taught me how to hide without burning my hands, all those kind of things. It it was, it's the evolution of anything. When I get into something, I get really into it. And so I didn't want to just learn about fire. I wanted to learn how gunpowder was made. So I was doing experiments.
0: Wait, did you do those with your father as well?
3: No, he worked a lot of graveyards, so I was—I uh, had a mother and uh, three sisters and, you know, only son, and um, I kept myself busy with my chemistry sets.
0: Now, I guess my question would be, why wouldn't you go to your mother and say, I'm really curious about how gunpowder works. I know it's kind of explosive and all of that, but what's a safe way? that I can can work with this. And, you know, maybe she could have talked to your dad or, that or would maybe... Have, she
3: would have flipped her lid.
0: Okay, so so there's the, the issue that you couldn't talk about her. it. You couldn't talk about it with your mom, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's the issue. Couldn't really talk about it with my mom. Sure, you could You could summarize it like that for conversation sake.
0: Sure. Okay, so because you couldn't talk about it with your mom, you ended up experimenting with these things in a dangerous manner, and she flipped out even more and hit you, right?
3: Um. yeah.
0: You now know, if she I had been the kind of mom where you could matter. talk I about never
3: it burnt anything that didn't
1: it was Sorry, never go ahead. Out,
3: of, out of control or anything you know it was just it was you're going to burn your house down well I didn't <laughs> but you know that was my logic I'd argue with her about it right you know and right. that was
0: her solution right now so you know I I think she did that, talk to me yeah now I think if you had the kind of mom where you could sit down and talk about these things with her and try and figure them out and then I think you would not have needed to be uh, hit as a child for that stuff, right?
3: I, that, I, I, I would imagine that could be true. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's what I experienced.
0: But you would rather, I, I think you that would that rather have, a positive effect. you would rather have learned about this stuff with one or both of your parents, I assume, at least at this, at this oh, age, right? Oh, heck
3: yeah, I would have loved to have a physicist as a parent, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, right. there's a lot of things I would have loved, but that's not where I was born, that's not where I was raised, right. you know? And so it's, you, you know, and, and you do what you, you can do in life. And uh, try to rise above where you came from.
0: Yeah, but listen, I'm not. I'm bad. not. I, look, I'm not saying your parents are terrible people or or they were abusive or anything like that. But well, what I am saying is that there are options other than hitting your children. And my concern is, if parents have, you know, that old saying, if every, all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So if parents yeah. have this solution called hitting children, then they can just go do that, right? And that becomes their parenting. Whereas if you say to yourself, no, I'm not going to yell at my kids. I'm not going to call them names. I'm not going to hit them because I wouldn't do that to a customer at my business. I wouldn't do that to my boss. I wouldn't do that to my best friend. If my best friend does something I don't like, uh, I don't get to hit him on the ass or anything. I'm going to have a universal principle on the non-initiation of force. Then as a parent, you have very interesting and creative problems to solve, right? So if your mom had as a rule and look i get it. it's a different time and all that but if your mom had as a rule look i'm not going to hit josh like whatever i'm not hitting him because all i'm doing is teaching him that i'm bigger and scarier and that's not a great lesson for him to learn right so if josh is interested in dangerous stuff i have a challenge as a parent and my challenge is how do i try and keep him safe how do i deal with my anxiety about his dangerous stuff along with his desire to pursue dangerous stuff because i mean i was the same way i remember <laughs> i remember my friends in junior high coming over to my little apartment during lunch and we would take hairspray and and matches and we would create we called it dragon breath you know like you hold the match up yeah. the hairspray puts that crazy dangerous stuff right that stuff can explode like crazy right so i get all of that but There are ways to satisfy children's natural, especially boys, natural curiosity about this stuff without hitting. Now, I would say that if your mom didn't have the option to hit you, she would have had to find another way to deal with your curiosity that would have been much more productive. But because she could hit you, that's what she did. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the only or even the best way to do it.
3: No, uh, you're correct. You're correct. It's not the only way to do it. But not everybody is born with the same tool set. Some people, you're, you talk about IQ a lot, and um, I find it fascinating, but some people do not have the tool set to be able to think rationally. So they, they can be taught to maintain some sort of self-control, but at some point in time, their intellect is being surpassed by their obstacle. And there has to be an acceptance that sometimes things that we think are wrong may have a more positive effect than we give it credit for.
0: Well, I will say this. Look, I mean, first of all, I really, really appreciate the conversation. It was very, very enjoyable and very helpful for me as well. It's always good to clarify this stuff. But I will say this. I completely accept with you that there are a lot of people out there who don't have the tool set to think rationally. kind of why I do the show. (laughs) It's kind of why I do the show. So I could hopefully spread this kind of stuff. But listen, I'd move on to the next caller, but I really, really appreciate the conversation. Thank you so much for, you know, fighting so hard, and I promise I will not come to your house and spank you uh, for, for what you said. Uh, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Bye. Take care. Yep. Good talking. All right. Okay. We've got, let's see here, Brian, the man they called Brian. All right. Brian, I believe you are coming up. Are you on, my friend? You want to okay. talk about your daughter?
4: Yeah. Okay, I'm uh, very happy to talk
0: to you, Stefan. Thank you for calling in. It's a great pleasure uh, to chat.
4: Okay. Uh, well, uh, the situation is, okay, uh, back in 2003, I uh, had been laid off from my computer programming job, uh, and I'd been laid off for like a year and a half, and I was thinking, well, I'm I'm like real desperate, and uh, so I was looking online. I was thinking of changing careers to be a teacher, if I don't have teaching certification. So I was looking online, found out I could teach English in Korea, and so I moved to Korea, lived there nine years. But uh, wow, I'm so, sorry that, to interrupt. I'm I sorry had... to
0: interrupt you, Brian, but. I've always been kind of fascinated, by because to me, moving to another country is like a whole mess of, of paperwork and, and visas and passports. And you just go and you can just like live in Korea and, and just stay there and, and, and work there and, and so on.
4: Yeah, it was for me, it was pretty easy. You know, I was scared because I've never I'd never been out of the country before. Uh, but the important thing I wanted to mention about this is that at the time, I had a, uh, a daughter who was at that time, what, one or two years old. So um, and I wasn't getting along with the mother, you know, I I'd already moved, you know, to a different state trying to find the uh, work. And uh, so I'd already like left Ohio, went to Texas, you know, uh, lived in Texas eight months, you know, had trouble yeah, I, I could find like ordinary low paid, you know, factory jobs, but I couldn't find a another well paid programming job. And um uh, so, you know, because I was like, you know, uh you know, kind of desperate, you know, I, I you know, went to Korea, uh, you know, started teaching English there and um uh my daughter views that as uh that I abandoned her. You know, I wanted to, uh, like, keep in touch with her through email or Skype or, you know, you know things like that. But that, that never panned out. Sorry. Uh, and, and how
0: old was she when you went to Korea first, nine years ago?
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, she was. Well, she was born in 2001. So she'd be she would have been uh, almost two years old. Oh, I'm so sorry. So 2003,
0: you went to Korea for eight years. So you were there till what, 2011? Yeah, that's right. Okay, and then what happened? Sorry, that's we'll get true. to your daughter. I just want to get the map of your
5: movements. Yeah. Okay, go
4: ahead. Uh, yeah, so you, what happened after 2011? Okay. okay, well, uh, then, uh, to be frank with you, I got high th- I, I liked Korea. Uh, I liked living there. Got to know the country pretty well. But then certain aspects of it kind of annoyed me to be honest with you so I decided to move to China and I'm still living in China now uh, also teaching English I'm uh part I'm kind of an adjunct professor right now at, the, at a university all right all right and um, your daughter is
0: uh, 18 now is that right yeah almost 18 she'll be 18 in December and what has been your contact with her over the last seventeen years or so?
4: Okay, uh, this is complicated. Okay, um, in uh, two thousand and nine, I uh, got a message from uh, the mother saying that she wrote a letter, you know, to me, and then I was like uh, scared. Okay, you know, part of this. Um, is you know I have um, what I would regard as perhaps certain mental problems I would guess, uh, but uh, anyway so she, so her mother writes to me and says well or or emails me and says that my daughter wrote a letter to me and uh, what a uh, uh, was my address in Korea that she could send it to and I was just afraid that well what what's going on in their mind like I haven't heard from her for
5: uh hello, are you still on?
0: Oh, come on, that was a great. I wanted to know. Are you still on? Oh, <laughs> that's too bad man can you can you hear me uh I'm all still well connected. I guess we'll uh, have to, um, I don't know, try returning him to the queue. We'll see if we can get him back in a bit. Uh, let's see uh, if uh, if David is back. We'll see if we can get back to Brian. Uh, David, are you with uh, are you with us at all? No. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, David. Are you with me?
5: Yes, sir.
0: All right, uh, so you know what, can, I'm so sorry, I think I, I, I know you've been waiting for a while, I did try dropping in with you before, let me just um, uh, see if I can get our friend back to finish his story, and I promise I will get to you in a few minutes, all right? Sure. Thanks, man, appreciate it. All right, uh, this is a close number, I wonder if it's the same guy. Let's see here, uh, Brian, is, is that you, did you, did you call back?
4: Yes. Yeah. Okay, right. I called back. Uh, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. You were just talking about how your daughter had, had your, your wife, or your your ex-wife or the mother of your daughter had said she wanted to write to you, but you were nervous about what might be going on in her mind?
4: Yeah, that's correct. So I, I waited for a couple weeks, and then I decided to go ahead and give her my address in Korea, and then I got a letter from my daughter, which I still have, um, and then I told her, well, if you want further contact with me, you know, I'm going to demand a paternity test. So I, uh, I found an online private company that does, you know, you know, paternity tests by mail and I, uh, you know, verified that she is my daughter. Okay. And then, uh, I decided to send her a little bit of money every month, you know, it wasn't a lot, you know, I'm not, I don't make a lot of money, but I I did send her money for, you know, you know, every month for about a year and a half. And then for some reason, I lost contact with my daughter. And I was like saying, Well, what is she doing? You know, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, And uh I would get no responses, so then I decided to not send money anymore and then uh and then I got start getting responses uh a few like two or three emails and then after that she didn't i didn't hear from her anymore at all okay and then in two thousand and eleven I visited her uh briefly you know in you know and then. Uh, A few years ago, okay, this is strange, okay. um, Can you still hear me?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
4: Okay. Okay, this is really strange, okay. Um, A few years ago, um, a number of things happened. Uh, One is I uh, got a Chinese girlfriend, which I'm currently, who I'm currently married to, okay. Uh, Second is I got this, Feeling of some uh, spirit or something like that. And I, I uh, wanted to, you know, check, you know, objectively if this is a spirit or what, whatever. So I said, told the spirit that, well, if you're real, have my daughter contact me in four days. And then uh, it was a day late, five days, okay, five days later. I noticed that she had contacted me on Facebook in some uh area that I don't normally look at and then then, after that, we had some conversations you know back and forth, you know uh a lot and then um, she uh, uh kind of got angry with me because uh she uh, one is to go to college. I told her, well, don't go to college unless you have some, uh, you know, uh, some, uh, workable plan. You know, like, like you have, you want to do, you know, a, uh, job like, uh, I don't know, for example, nursing. No, I get it. Yeah. Sorry. I,
0: I don't want, I don't want to get yeah. too, too much into the weeds here. So yeah, only go to college if you've got a specific
4: degree you need to get for, for a job. And And then what happened? Okay. Well, she got mad at me because uh she said she wants to become a cook and i said well you don't know that you know you don't know if you want to become a cook or not you should uh you should try working in the restaurant first to see if that's something you want to do before you invest in it you know um and i'll I give her advice like this and she interpreted this plus the fact that i left the country and all this as uh You know, that I, um, you know, uh, don't care about her or I uh, don't or she I don't support her dreams, you know, things like that. So she kind of said, uh, fuck you and just uh, uh, dropped all contact uh, from me, period. So now now I have no contact with her.
0: Well, I'm certainly sorry to hear that. I mean, what, what is it that I can do to help you?
4: Okay, so um, a number of things. Uh, uh, how, um, uh, like, from your perspective, how how badly have I done as a father? Well, I mean, technically
0: you haven't done much as a father, right? I mean, right. you, you okay. were gone from very early in her life. You went to not just another country, but basically the other side of the world, pretty much, right? And you were there for a long Mm -hmm. time, and then you moved, I don't know if it's closer or further, my geography is not my strong suit, but you have had Mm -hmm. virtually no contact with her over her life, right? Right, okay. So, I mean, I hate to sort of make it as crass Mm -hmm. as, you know, sperm donor, but as far as being a father, you... You know, you didn't change her diapers, you didn't teach her to walk, you didn't, I mean, I know she was, you were around a bit when she was, she was young, right, when she was a baby. But you don't Mm -hmm. have, I mean, it's kind of weird, right, because I grew up with, without a dad and and I would see him once in a, in a while. And it's weird because you have this very charged relationship without a relationship. And Mm -hmm. that's just, I don't know, it's just weird. It's, it's confusing, it's complicated, it's messy. And because you've had very little influence other than genetically, which doesn't really count, because you've had very little influence on how she turns out, you don't know any way in which your values may overlap, right? So I'm going to get totally sexist and cliched here. I mean, it's more nuanced than this, but just for the sake of, of convenience or, or at least brevity, uh, women, a lot of women have this thing where they say, I want to do X, And then a man will say, well, you know, the sensible approach would be to do A, B, C, and then maybe X, right? And then the woman Mm -hmm. says, you're not supporting me. In other words, the woman says, whatever I want to do, you have to tell me that you want me to do it and you're willing to pay often for me to do it. Otherwise, you're not being supportive. Now, that's not how men in general operate, right? So, you know, if... um, if if you have a friend when you're a teenager and he wants to be a long distance runner then you say, "Hey man, you got to go train like 20 hours a week or whatever <laughs> if you want to be a yeah, like a long distance runner, you got to go you got to go train, right?" And and why don't mm-hmm. you try it out for a couple of weeks of, you know, maybe 5 or 10 hours a week and get warmed up and see, see if you like it, right? Now that's a sensible thing to say to somebody who yeah. says they want to be a long distance runner, right? Like it's an old novel I read when I was a kid, The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. And so when a man mm-hmm. says I have a, I want to do something, and other men say, "Oh, you know, here's a practical way to approach it," men usually say, "Hey, man, thanks, <laughs> that's great. I appreciate the feedback. That's helpful, right?" But mm-hmm. for uh, for women, they they often interpret it quite differently. In other, uh, your your daughter says, "I want to be a chef uh, or a cook." You said, and and you say, "Okay, well, you know, don't." Necessarily go plunge straight into very expensive schooling for all of that. Figure out if you like even working around food or in restaurants, you know, at least spend maybe a summer working in a restaurant. You can be a short order cook or whatever, see, see if you like it at all, right? Well, that's a sensible thing to say, I think. Mm-hmm. But because she hasn't grown up with you and she's grown up, I don't know if there have been stepdads around, but she's grown up, I assume, with her mom as her primary. So the mom maybe has said to her things like well you know if he doesn't agree with everything you say he's just not being supportive now that to me is not being supportive but that's how a lot of women experience support in other words if you say here's a sensible way to approach getting what you want to even find out if it is what you want the women will get very upset and feel unsupported and it's it's a problem this is one of the sort of problems between uh, men and women and one of the general incomprehensions that that occurs and the fact that this showed up in your daughter's choice of potential career is not, not too surprising, right? So, you know, if your daughter wants to be a doctor, say, okay, well, why don't you volunteer at a hospital for a summer and see if you even like the environment? It's like, you're not being supportive. It's like, no, I am. <laughs> it's a conversation that men and women have like 5,000 times a day uh, in, you know, 5,000 different countries, it seems. So, yeah, as far as being a father goes, you really haven't been around. You've had barely any contact. You've only seen her a couple of times in your life, as far as I can tell. And so I don't know what you can be to her, but I don't know how it translates to father because father is something that starts pretty early, right? I mean, should start from even before that. I mean, I was reading to my daughter before my wife gave birth, right? So she'd recognize my voice when I came out. So as far as, you know, I think about my own dad, like what could he be for me? I don't know. Like I was just in a a pharmacy the other day And uh, I saw a sign which said, Thursdays is a senior's discount. It's a senior's discount. And I'm like, senior, right? And then it said, so if you're 55 or older, you get a senior's discount, right? Now I'm 53. (laughs) And now I know that Mm -hmm. that that's not old. But holy shit, man, I'm two years away from a senior's discount.
2: (laughs) I'm two years away from a senior's
0: discount. I can't tell you how weird that feels. But it's true, right? I mean, at least, you know, I mean, that's not. I don't know if that's, like, not medically old, but, you know, hey, 55 plus, you know. uh, Freedom 55 was the old ad, right? Like, you want to retire at 55. So, like, what can my father do for me now that I'm two years away from becoming someone eligible for seniors discounts? You know, not that much. Now, again, I know your daughter is younger. But the problem is, can she listen to good advice from you when Mm -hmm. you weren't around for her childhood? And I don't know, did you send money to her mom or or how did that work out?
4: Well, I uh, had my, the bank I had at the time uh, automatically send checks to her, you know, mail, you know, physical checks to her every month. So 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 while she was growing up, you sent
0: sent money. How much did you, were you able to send? Uh, It wasn't very much, uh, maybe $150 a month. Right. So that doesn't do much for child raising, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're not Um, like a dead big dad, but you, you know, you you could have been a smidge more generous, perhaps, or maybe that wasn't possible. I don't know. But so her perception of you is uh, the guy uh, who left and went to another country, didn't really send much money. And um, as you say, the Skype or email thing or whatever didn't didn't really work out. And uh, so it's a charged relationship. Without any history that builds trust and and that's usually a pretty volatile situation i mean what what do you most okay. want what would you what would be ideal for you
4: well I don't know uh, to be honest i uh, I'm wondering what the best solution is okay uh, another thing I wanted to bring up uh, that it affects my mentality with not just this relationships but this relationship in general is that I have a a general sense that uh, I'm not important, you know, that that if I were like not here and like not teaching at this university, for example, they could just hire someone else. And so I get this um, uh, general idea that I could be aloof and then uh, when I'm finished with this job, they'll forget about me and that I could, apply the same principle to everybody and then just kind of disappear. And so this kind of affects my mentality with my daughter that I'll sometimes say, well, you're better off without me or, uh, uh, you know, or, you know, or, you know, maybe she would be better off without me. Maybe I, I should like not well, try but hang to contact on. Sorry. her and let but- her- Sorry, but,
0: I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you have this perspective, but, but given that you feel that your daughter might be better off without you, and and if that's how you kind of ran your relationship or lack of relationship with her when she was growing up, now that she's an adult, why would you change that perspective?
4: Well, I just don't know if this perspective is correct, if I take that perspective to its logical conclusion, then what I should do is be aloof with everybody and then kill myself and then in such a way that nobody would notice and then I'm I'm gone. But
0: no, you were married though, right? Yeah. I mean, I assume that your wife would notice if you
4: weren't there and would miss you, right? Right. Yeah, my wife uh, genuinely uh, cares about me. Okay. Uh, so and I'm, and I'm sure you do. matter
0: to your students and, and I'm sure you have friends and, and so on, right? But if you with regards to your daughter, if the way that you ran the relationship when it was in its most important phase, which is when she was a child, right? Now mm-hmm. that she's an almost an adult, the job of the parent is largely done. Or at least it shifts considerably after the child becomes an adult, right? You become maybe an advisor, mm-hmm. you become maybe a resource, but you, you, you sort of you should hopefully have helped her outgrow you as an authority figure and maybe just as an advisor or resource going forward. But given that you ran your relationship with her like you didn't matter to her for 17 years or 15 years or whatever, why would you change Mm -hmm. that now that she's an adult? Like, is it because you look back and you say, well, I should have been there. I I I shouldn't have had the perspective Uh, that I didn't matter.
4: Okay, well, then my question would be, should I continue with the perspective that uh, I uh, don't matter to her or shouldn't uh, matter to her and, and continue, you know, uh, no, listen, maybe you're always, I might though, matter?
0: Look, man, you're, look, you're always going to matter to her. You're, you're the father. You know, I mean, maybe it's mostly a genetic relationship, but you're always going to matter to her. That is, my father matters to me. My mother matters to me. People I haven't seen from my, my family of origin for many years, they matter. They're never going to not matter to me. You can't just scrub that history completely out of your your life. But, mm-hmm. but here's the thing.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: With regards...
4: To so, uh, sorry for interrupting but it seems like there's a contradiction here you know uh, on on the one sense I don't matter because you said that I'm I wasn't much of a father but now you say I do matter. So no no hey it, I never said yeah. you
0: didn't matter. I said you didn't do much fathering and you weren't much of a father to her and that's true. That doesn't mean you don't matter. Mm-hmm. My I didn't see my father very much when I was growing up that didn't mean he doesn't, that doesn't mean he never mattered to me. Of course he matters. It matters that I didn't see him that much, right? It matters that he was on the other side of the world when I was growing up. This all matters. So, so it's not a okay. contradiction when I say you didn't do much fathering, which is true. And also then to say that, that you, you do matter. But l- let me ask you this. Okay, so maybe, just maybe, okay. you know, show's pretty popular. Maybe your daughter will hear this, right? So I will give you a platform. You can take a couple of minutes if you like. What is it that you would most like to say to your daughter? Maybe you have some regrets. Maybe you have some thoughts. Maybe you have some hopes. What is it that you would most like to say to her? Because, you know, six degrees of separation, it's not going to be at all impossible for someone to know someone to get this to her. So if this is your platform, what is it that you would most like to say to her about the past? And what is it that
4: you would most like about the future? Okay. Uh, Well, I'll, I'll name her. I'll give her first name. Alexis. Okay, so Alexis, um, I want to be some kind of father to you. I want to negotiate like uh, how we can have uh, the best, you know, you know mutual relationship. Uh, I don't know what that is. Okay, I we may need help from others, like uh, we you know, like someone who's an expert in family, uh, uh, you know, uh, issues or something like that. But uh, I would rather, you know, we negotiate something rather than I say uh, you you should not go to college or whatever and you say, well, fuck you, I am going to college. I, I don't want that. I want it to be like I'm not always right and you're not always right, but let's try and figure out how both of us can... Uh, find the best possible solution. Okay. That's All right. what I would want to say to her.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I I don't have much to add other than, you know, I would let her take the lead in this because uh, she is to some degree the wronged party because she didn't choose to have you go to Korea. But, uh, you know, Alexis, if you're out there, I, I hope that you hear that. And, um, you know, maybe if you do end up being in contact with your dad, you can drop me a line and uh, uh, let me know how it goes. But thanks very much for the call, man, and um, I, I wish you the best. I wish you the best. All right, let's uh, get back to David, who's been very patient. I do apologize for that. David, are you with me?
5: Yes, sir. Can you hear me?
0: Oh, man, you are very, very patient. That That's a lot of on hold. So what's on your mind, brother?
5: Yeah, no problem. Uh, first, I want to say I appreciate you very much. I, I think you're the bravest influencer out there today, and you certainly inspire a lot of us. Thank you. Okay, so I find myself uh, putting together a little argument between my patriotism as well as my respect for capitalism, and I'd like to kind of run this by you to see if you can poke some holes in it.
0: Good. Go
5: for it. All right, so in my debates with uh, libertarians, they seem to support quite a bit of business leaving America that would benefit the business owners. And I can understand that, you know, factories going to China, et cetera. Now, when we start arguing, I usually dive into uh, the main argument over the how, how this business is benefiting itself or, or how they can even survive by moving all the way across the planet. And what I end up actually using is, basically the the government intervention in the currency is a form of theft from the Chinese people, which allows the business owner to profit. So if you really wanna call yourself a free market capitalist, are we not breaking some type of non-aggression principle or, or using force to steal from the Chinese people through printing money, therefore being able to be a profitable business?
0: All right, I'm I'm probably sixty to sixty five percent of the way to understanding what you're saying, and that's not because you're being unclear. It's just maybe kind of late for me, but I'm 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 dedicated to to figuring it out. So, give me if you can give me a concrete example. I'm sure I'll be able to follow it.
5: Okay, so I I have I'm a small business owner myself, and and I've worked with clients who shut down their American businesses to move to China. However. None of their employees go to China, and none of their equipment goes to China. What they actually do, it seems like they're just hiring the Chinese government to make their products, technically, because China owns all the businesses. And so in order to profit, they're capitalizing on the, gov- the, the, you know, the lower, number one, the labor cost, as well as the geo-arbitrage, which is kind of created by all the trillions of yen that they're printing. So isn't printing money theft from those individuals? And if so, aren't they, are we no longer in a free market if you're actually partnering with a communist entity? Perhaps your American business is now just a a subsidiary of, of the Chinese government.
0: Right. No, listen, I, I completely understand. I, I think I get it now. So... The the question of, you know, factory relocation is really, really fascinating. I know up here in Canada, there was North American free trade agreement came in, I think, under Mulroney in the 80s. And there was all of this concern, some of which was justified, that the factories were all going to move down to Mexico, right, at car factories and, and other manufacturing fac- faculties, facilities. Sorry, we're all going to go down to third world countries and so on, right? So to me... That's a very, very interesting question. It's a very interesting question. First of all, how bad is your educational system that you can't compete with people in a third world country? That's to me a very, very important. And now I know Mexico is different from China and I'm just sort of giving a sort of example as a stepping stone to get there, right? So how bad is your educational system? How bad is your business environment that you can't compete with? china or or with um mexico because you know there are language barriers cultural barriers religious or communist or atheistic barriers there's lots of barriers there's huge distances you have to transport the goods and so on so to me when a business wants to relocate out of the country it means a couple of things one the government educational system is terrible two there's probably hyper regulation or excessive taxation going on in the country of origin for the plant and so, you know, health and safety regulations, uh, environmental regulations, unionization is a huge issue. Unionization is a huge issue uh, in terms of how difficult it is to run a business uh, in, uh, in a lot of Western countries, for sure. Certainly places like in France, it's not so much the unions. the fact, it's almost impossible to fire people. So it's easier to shut down an entire factory and lay everyone off, move the factory to China, than it is to fire your inefficient employees. In, in various places particularly if there's a strong union or just in France these crazy labor laws so the business environment has become becomes increasingly complicated complex red tape bureaucratic the um, the workforce is unskilled and you know advanced first world economies should be moving away from unskilled labor because it's very hard to compete with the third world even if you import it regularly and also automation is progressively eliminating a lot of low-skilled jobs which is a huge problem which you know we'll probably i'll probably do an entire show on that at one point but and then of course as you're right there is the um currency arbitrage that like the arbitrage i mean i think what you're referring to is changes in value between the currencies and ways in which you can leverage that to manufacture goods more effectively and efficiently right and so you know, if if uh, the the Chinese government is printing a whole bunch of money, then their money value goes down. You can buy more of them dollar those yen with with uh, yuan with with foreign currency and so on. So these are all non free market situations, right? I mean, if you look at government education, that's not a free market situation at all. If you look at uh, unions, unions. I mean, I have never had any problem with unions. as voluntary organizations to leverage negotiating power relative to bosses. I have no problem with that whatsoever. It's when they get government protection. Uh, It's when they get, um, they start donating lots of money to governments. It's when they're in the public sector. Unions should never exist in the public sector because there's no profit motive in the public sector to drive down wages. And it's, uh, and also when you have laws against uh, strike breakers or what they call scabs and so on, unions gain way too much power and then they exacerbate the demands upon the employers to the point where the employers say, well, I can't. I just can't run the business here. Like the unions have just made labor too expensive. So I'm either going to automate or I'm just going to go to some other place where I can do business in some reasonable manner. So, and of course, if you look at massive printing of central banking currency, that's not at all a free market situation. So you put these sort of four major things together and you're really looking at, to some degree, a pretty fascistic model, which is public funding, but private profit. And, yeah, I mean, this doesn't have much to do with the free market. But naturally, of course, one of the things governments love about having the remnants of the free market around, uh, this is an old Thomas Sowell point, that um, you have middlemen that you can uh, blame for all of the problems, right? If, If the government's distributing the goods and services and the goods and service price goes up, everyone gets mad at the government, but if you have nominal private ownership of corporations, then when the price goes up, everyone can blame the free market and the government gets off the hook. So I, I think your analysis is is very good.
5: Great. Thank you. I, I try to use this with business owners who I know are leaving the country and then they they call themselves, you know, free market capitalists. There's quite a bit more at play there, I guess.
0: I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, listen, I'm going to shut off the show for the night. Sorry for the people who didn't get through. It was a great pleasure to chat with everyone. Please don't forget freedomainradio.com forward slash donate to help out the show. Massively, massively appreciated. And thank you, everyone, so much for giving me this incredible opportunity to speak to the world. I hope, as always, though, I'm sure I annoy you from time to time, or at least some of you, that um, I do you uh, proud as a whole, as uh, I always aim to do. So uh, thanks, everyone, so much. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful evening and uh, weekend if I don't talk to you before and then. Lots of love from here. Take care.